He is risen. He is risen. Jesus Christ is risen. And so this is a greeting that the church has traditionally given each other throughout the millennia. In fact, this was a greeting that the first century Christians would just say to each other. Instead of saying hello, they would say, He is risen. And the response would be, He is risen indeed, because the resurrection was so central and crucial to their living and their faith, they could only but help to greet one another with, He is risen, and He is risen indeed. So let's start today's message with a prayer. On this Easter Sunday, O God, we recognize you are the source of all light, and by your word you give light to the soul. So pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that by being taught by you in the Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may now be opened to know the things that pertain to life and holiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 34 to 43. The book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 34 to 43. And if you have a pew Bible that you can find in the seat in front of you, you can find that on page 864. Acts, chapter 10, verse 34 to 43. Please rise for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Usually every Sunday we go through a Bible passage and then I go verse by verse on what that means. And also we parse words and grammar and syntax. We go through context. But today I wanted to go over a more general overview of what the gospel is. And today is Easter Sunday, but what it really is, is Resurrection Sunday. And Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate every Sunday, not just once a year. And this was so life-changing that the disciples would go out and preach this good news 
even at the risk of their own lives. In fact, every single one of the disciples died a martyr's death. That means they were murdered, except for one, but he was even exiled to Patmos, an island where he would die there. And what did they know? What did they believe that they would give up their lives like this and to die or to sacrifice what they could do while they were here on this earth? And here, even in the book of Acts, it says, when Peter opened his mouth, he said something. And he says something that is quite spectacular. And he says the words, God shows no partiality. If you are familiar with the King James Version, it's read as God is no respecter of persons. And what does that mean, God doesn't respect persons, or that he doesn't show partiality? And so I have a last name. And so from where I come from, or my, my, my parents and my ancestors, I mean, I come from a land called Queens, but uh, where, from where my parents come from, there is a surname, and that surname signifies a tribe. But within the tribe, there is a clan name. And so I not only have a surname, which is Kim, there's a clan name that I have. But because this clan name is so big, there is a sub-clan name or a lineage name. So there are, you can keep on going down, and from that, you can kind of trace back my family line's history. I remember one time my dad told me that we have royalty in our blood. That's why we hold to the sub-clan name so uh, dear, our lineage. It goes back, and you're like, you have royal blood in you. So I married someone, and I told her, I said, you are married to royalty. And that didn't really impress her too much because, like, what am I getting for this? Uh, but, but that shows us our history. Our surnames would even show us our history. I'm just going to pick a random surname. Let's say Eraldi. Eraldi is a French Germanic name, and it's from Harry, which means army, and Aldi, which means strong. So it means army strong. So if you have the last name Eraldi, remember, random, but... It means you are army strong. That's your heritage. That's your lineage. Another random name that I'll pick is Richardson. Richardson <laughs> means son of Richard. But what does Richard mean? Richard means Rick, which means strong and hard. is hardy, so you're strong and hardy. So imagine a Richardson marrying an Eraldi. You're going to have really strong children. And so we have these kind of surnames. But not only that, this is what we are you know, this is our history, but what about now when it comes to tribe, nation, race, your wealth, what you believe your identity is? And here the Bible starts, this passage, Peter starts by saying, God is no respecter of persons. He shows no partiality. It doesn't matter if your lineage is from royalty. It doesn't matter what your name means. It doesn't matter if you're successful now or you're wealthy now or how much influence you peddle on social media. God shows no partiality. So what does that mean? And there is one other time in the Bible where this phrase is used, and it's in Romans chapter 2, verse 11 to 16. And in Romans chapter 2 and 11, it says God shows no partiality. It's the same phrase there. And so what does that section say? And in Romans 2, verse 12, going on from that phrase, it says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. And it keeps on going on to this part here in verse 15 that I want to go over with you. 
They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day. According to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Francis Schaeffer has a good point on this. He's saying whether you understand the law, whether you don't know the law, God is the judge of the secrets of your heart. And Francis Schaeffer would give this example. Let's say every baby born, every, let's say you don't even believe in God. I don't want to be judged by your law, God, but God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, of all that is in existence, what he could do, or could, as an example, is let's say if every baby that's born would have a tape recorder or recorder around their neck. And ever since this baby can talk and make any kind of moral judgment, that tape recorder would turn on and then record. You would say things. It doesn't matter what your belief system is. You would say things like, I think this is right. I think this is wrong. Record it. And if he would, at the end of your life, play that recorder back to you, would you pass your own test? So it doesn't matter if you have the law or if you don't have the law. God is the judge of the secrets of men. And eventually every person, if you sit down with a sober mind and think about it, when you stand before God as judge, there is not single one person who would pass the test, even if you were to try to pass your own test. A silly example could be, let's say, when you're driving here in New Jersey, one of the best roads in the United States, love the jug handles. Anyway, but let's say you make comments on the road. You make these moral judgments. God could play just that back to you. Would you pass your own driver's exam, let alone all the moral judgments that you make throughout life? And then you could say, but God, I tried. I really tried hard. Doesn't that count for something? There was a famous teacher who would say, do or do not, there is no try. But for those, and this is what Peter goes on to say, but for those that fear God and aim to live rightly, so if you fear God and you aim to live rightly, there is good news for you today. There is good news for you today. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Galilee which was in Israel. Jesus wasn't a phantom or a ghost. He wasn't a figment of someone's imagination. He wasn't an ephemeral shadow or even an angel. Jesus Christ was a real human being that lived and breathed and was in a specific time and place in history. He was baptized by a man, his cousin, named John. And being anointed by the Holy Spirit and the power of God, it's recorded that he would go around healing, releasing people of the demonic power that was over them, also teaching and proving to all those that are around him that God was with him. And although he was perfect in every way, not one person can find one bit of fault in him, the people put him to death on a cross where he suffered and died and was buried for three days. But God would raise Jesus up on the third day, and he would even appear to many to testify 
about himself and the others that saw him would testify to others of what they saw and witnessed even at the threat of their own lives. And Jesus commands his disciples to preach and testify to the world that he is the one. He is the judge over the living and the dead. All the prophets that God has sent before Jesus bore witness about Jesus, and those that believe him will receive forgiveness of sins through the name above all names, that is Jesus Christ, Lord of all. Amen. So I just want to answer this one question. What does it mean to be forgiven of your sins? We saw it here. What does it mean to be forgiven? God created this world and everything in it. He created our world for our good and His glory. We were created to glorify God and to enjoy Him completely forever. But sin entered the world through our first parents, and it continues to live through us in our disobedient acts. And as a result, we have lost fellowship with God. No longer do we glorify Him, and no longer can we enjoy Him or be satisfied in Him. And instead of God's blessing and prosperity, we incur His displeasure and curse. This is what we mean by God's wrath. And God's wrath is being revealed even today when people go directly against His good commands and orders. We see what it means to be children of wrath, slaves of Satan, and justly deserving the punishment in this world and the next. But God didn't leave us to this judgment. He would send a mediator. A mediator is someone who would stand between God and man. And what this mediator would do is repair the fellowship that was once held and broken by man. And he would be this mediator of a new covenant, a covenant of grace. Grace because we didn't deserve it, and grace because we desperately need it. The mediator of this covenant of grace is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who is the eternal Son of God. Christ would become human, living the perfect life we should have, but that we couldn't, and he would take on our sins and put it on himself. And subsequently, what would happen? He, in our stead, would receive the full wrath of God. The wrath of God that we should have had, he receives. In his living and dying, Jesus Christ would then satisfy God's justice and we become ransomed to be his very own people now. And to those that believe in Jesus Christ's name, you would be be given the right to be called sons of God. He will put his spirit in you that you will also conquer all your enemies and you will be brought to everlasting salvation. What does it mean that you have forgiveness of sins? Forgiveness of sins means that death no longer has power over you. 
Death was the punishment for sin. Death had power over you to separate you from God. And what does that mean? It separates you from God and the ones that you love. You see, we were beings made to love. Think about how much you love those that you care about truly. How much do you love your parents? How much do you love your children? How much do you love those that God has placed near you? But you see, the wages of sin is death, and death separates us from that. But you see, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the once perishable, the ones that were bound to death, get to put on the imperishable. The mortal puts on the immortality. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory, O death? Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection, what we celebrate today, is victory assured to us those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ because it is Jesus Christ who saves. He proved it to us by rising again from the grave after three days, and we are witnesses for thousands of years of this historical fact. And so this isn't just some hoopla that we believe. This isn't just some kind of belief system, some gnosis, some knowledge that you have. This is actual, physical, and spiritual resurrection. The good that you enjoy is given by God, and the good that you continue to enjoy is sustained by God. How do you know that it won't be broken at some time by death? It's Jesus Christ who saves and has assured it in his resurrection. So praise be to God. And if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, fear God, obey him, place your trust in him, and he is the one that saves. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this Resurrection Sunday in which you remind us of the incredible, incredible event that happened 2,000 years ago that we are saved when we believe in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other that can save. And what was once threatened to tear us apart from fellowship with you and with fellowship with those that we love, Lord, you save us from the wrath of God by restoring our fellowship with you so that we can now glorify you and enjoy you forever. Oh God, help us to be people now that will live as living sacrifices for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.